Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Korean investors are leading the charge this morning. The Kospi in Seoul is trading up more than 1%. Korean investors can celebrate the successful IPO of the country's largest e-commerce company, Kupang. That took place in the US overnight. More about that in just a moment. But first, shares in Sydney are also in the green. The ASX 200 is trading up half a percent. Tokyo is trading flat. Joining me now to break down all the market action, he's Ryan Huang. Good Friday morning, Ryan. TGIF, Michelle. How's your day been so far? Well, it's been quite a busy day. Actually, a lot happened. Hasn't been happening. <laughs> and we had a minister on the morning show, uh, Transport Minister Ong Ye Kang. So he was on. So if you missed it, catch the podcast. Absolutely. We're going to start this morning with the stories of two initial public offerings, one in the United States, another here in Singapore. Now, both are Asian companies. South Korean e-commerce giant Kupang listed on the New York Stock Exchange overnight. And Aztec Global, a homegrown tech company, is going public on the Singapore Exchange this morning. Ryan, let's start with Kupang, valued at more than 80 billion US dollars. It is the biggest IPO since Uber, how was it received by investors? Gosh, another IPO and another day one pop. So this is pretty much following in the footsteps of Roblox, that game platform that had a huge following and a huge day one. So for Coupang, this is a South Korean e-commerce giant. It is very similar to the likes of Alibaba and Amazon in the sense that it is fulfilling orders online. It has warehouses and in the same sense, you have a lot of investor interest in this company because everyone's trying to look out for the next Alibaba, the next Ali, the next um, Amazon. So looking at day one, right out of the gates, it jumped nearly 81% before settling for a jump of 41% on day one. So it's really showing a lot of appetite for anybody with a play around technology or around e-commerce right now. Yeah, Kupang is the biggest e-commerce company in Korea. It has a 24% market share. So Ryan, what do you think of its business? Okay, so here's the thing, right? It's very similar or compared to at least to Amazon, to Alibaba. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing to weigh here is how much optimism to pour into this company. Because if you think about the markets that Alibaba and Amazon are after, you've got the US and China, they are very different to South Korea in the sense that it is a very different scale. In South Korea, you don't have the same market as you would have in China and the US in terms of size. So in terms of reaching the levels of Alibaba and Amazon, you have to kind of Mm. keep a lid on your optimism. But at the same time, with the IPO proceeds, it does put them in a better position for growth. So they will be able to invest in warehouses, distribution networks. So it will be on the path for more growth. And that is what you can at least... Um, expect with the latest proceeds and the optimism behind it. So right now, it has more than 100 fulfillment and logistics centers in over 30 cities. And all this to help drive next day delivery and it employs 15,000 drivers in South Korea. So it's the largest player in South Korea. So if you're after that type of e-commerce play, 
this could be something for you to look up for. Now, Kupang's IPO is a huge success for SoftBank, which is one of the company's primary backers. SoftBank stands to book a paper gain of more than 30 billion US dollars on this listing. The IPO market over in the US, meanwhile, is hot. Just 10 weeks into the year, nearly 115 billion US dollars in funds have been raised so far. That is 60% of the total amount raised in all of last year. And last year's figure was already a record. Now, the IPO market here in Singapore is a different story. This morning, we're seeing the first new listing on the main board. It's by a homegrown tech company called Aztec Global, the first new listing of the year. Now, this comes five years after the company's CEO, Michael Munn, took the larger group private. Now, Ryan, we'll get into how the stock has performed in a moment. But first, tell us, what does Aztec Global do and why does Munn think it's time to take the company public. Yeah, so this is a homegrown IT company. So if you've been growing up with the, the that phase where the internet really took the world by storm, you would be familiar with things like its routers, its home plugs. And this is a bit of a homecoming or at least a return to the stock market for Aztec. It was actually listed as part of the Aztec group back in um, a few years ago. And then delisted in 2017. And it's interesting because back then, its reason for delisting was mm. it did not need any access to the Singapore capital market anymore. But now it seems like that is a bit of a turnaround. And also worth noting, the privatization offer back then in 2017 was under a lot of well, debate because investors were not happy with the price of the offer. So there was a lot of discussion, a lot of arguments about the offer not being fair enough but eventually it did still go through and that was why it was delisted. You might also be familiar with Aztec because it was in the headlines in recent years for buying this roast meat company called Kaylee. So this is a very famous food company, Kaylee. It has a store in Paileba. So that is also interesting because it now has divested away from there's non-core businesses like food. So Kaylee is not part of the business, it's not part of the IPO, but it's worth noting it was part of its history. So now you have a homegrown IT company coming back into the markets. And of course, everything IT is quite sexy these days. Yeah, it does quite a lot, doesn't it? Aztec, mm. I see um, the business of electronics, electronic manufacturing, LED light manufacturing, and even marine logistics services as well. So quite a lot in that bag. Uh, the Aztec IPO was more than 18 times oversubscribed. We're only about 12 minutes into the trading day this Friday. But can you see yet how its shares are doing? Okay, let's take a look at how things are heating up for Aztec. Uh, we have the invitation price for the IPO at $1.28. Going by the um, indications, we are oversubscribed by more than 18 times on the retail tranche. Right now, it is at $1.38, but it is still quite... Um, early to tell what type of action we are seeing. So it's still quite flat right now. Now it's $1.37. So it's still taking some time to, to warm up. And if you look at the IPO proceeds, they will be using it to expand and enhance their manufacturing facilities, going into more mergers and acquisitions, investments, joint ventures, increasing their sales and marketing channels, also for working capital. So all that will be part of the mix when investors decide how much to get into Aztec today.
All right, let's turn to the United States now, where U.S. President Joe Biden is currently addressing the nation in his first live primetime speech since taking office in January. And the speech coming just hours after Biden signed that historic 1.9 trillion U.S. dollar COVID relief package that he has been strongly promoting. It's just his 50th day in office. Biden is also directing U.S. states to make all adults eligible for COVID-19 vaccinations by May the 1st. He says uh, we will have enough vaccine supply for all Americans by the end of May. Uh, The U.S. markets meanwhile had a banner session overnight. Unlike yesterday, tech stocks joined in the rally. So what fueled the gains there? Do you think it's enthusiasm over the stimulus bill or are there other factors at play? Yeah, it's a big boost from Biden. So the Biden boost for markets is really playing out and it's not just the stimulus like you pointed out. You also actually have a couple of things to lift sentiment and this is through the latest US economic data on the labour market and the latest read on the weekly unemployment benefit claims that was good it fell by 42,000 to 712,000 so that is the lowest level in 5 months it also beats the market estimates of 725,000 so that kind of calms the Jitters around bond yields and inflation, of course, that has been the big market driver in recent weeks. Also helping to some extent is the ECB. They were in action overnight and you have the ECB president, Christine Lagarde, saying higher market rates pose risks to financing conditions. So on her end, she has committed the ECB to ramping up its buying of government debt in coming months to contain the rising bond yields. So it is front-loading the purchases. Overall size of his pandemic bond buying program is still the same, mm-hmm. $1.85 trillion or euros, excuse me. So that is also lifting sentiment. So all in, you've got a Biden boost, you've got the jobs data and a bit of cheering on from the ECB, helping markets the Dow, S&P 500 and the Russell 2000 index of small caps all finish at record highs overnight. Now here at home, the February property sales numbers are out and there is a sharp plunge from January. Only 600 plus units were sold. Now Ryan, do you think this is a matter of concern or something else? Something bullish even at play? You are looking at numbers, it is up 1% in the month. So it is up for 7 months in a row. And overall prices, so prices advanced 4.4%. So I'm looking at the data from SRX property for new condo launches. So that is uh, helping you drive the secondary market prices. So what's happening is you have new launches with higher prices. So in turn, that has a knock-on effect. So you will be seeing resale prices keeping pace with new launch prices. So that is what's happening in terms of a spillover effect. And whether that is going to be a cause of concern is a tough one. Uh, Of course, in the past year, the property market amidst COVID-19 was still quite resilient. So you have to ask the question, when or where do levels go to before it's too much? And of course, with the liquidity and low interest rates still quite low, that doesn't seem to show any sign of stopping yet. So for now, the momentum seems to be continuing. 
Interesting to see our buyers' interest in the rest of Central Area or RCR. So there were 11 homes sold in the 5 to $10 million bracket, 11 located in the poshest Central Region, but six in the RCR, rest of Central Region, two units in Mayor House, two in Amber Park, so renewed interest in the Katong area. Now, one last story before we check in on markets. We've been following the city development story these past couple of months. The company has taken heat over its large investments in the Sincere Group in China. Now, CDL and Sincere are both trading barbs in public. So what is going on there? Gosh, it's a war of words. It's a blame game. It's a finger-pointing exercise. So it is quite messy. So I'm trying to untangle it the best I can for you. So you've got right now the latest salvo coming from CDL, and they are rejecting the claims from Sincere Property Group, which said that CDL was holding up Sincere in terms of decision-making because a lot of the decisions needed to be approved by the headquarters at CityDev. Mm. But that wasn't happening. And this was in the wake of a missed debt repayment for its bonds. So Sincere missed that payment and started to defend itself, saying it's not our fault, it's CDL's fault because Mm. they couldn't approve the plans or decisions in time. And then now you have CDL overnight coming out to say, oh, this is not a case. It's a case of incorrect information being spread by Sincere. And on top of that, they have now said that Sincere has been giving out that press release without consultation. Also, worth noting is they say they will strenuously defend itself against the major inaccuracies highlighted by Sincere and they will continue to adhere to high standards of disclosure. So there is really this sense that the relationship between both sides is starting to sour. And this is a relationship that CDL was actually touting for quite some time when they made the acquisition. So we've got CEO Sherman Quack saying he's a friend of the Sincere Property Group founder, Wuxi, for over 10 years. Mm. So they actually go back way back so now with this happening you have to start to ask what's going on with that relationship because if you have a healthy relationship where you're talking to your business partner this shouldn't be happening so it is quite curious to see this happening to such a big property heavyweight in fact, in fact two property heavyweights so it doesn't seem like this will be the end of a story Well done. That is so complex to get into. Now, let's check in on local stocks right now. The Straits Times Index powered above the 3,100 level yesterday. It rose a bit less than 1% to close at 3,106. So how is the SDI doing this morning, Ryan? Okay, so we have a great session on Wall Street. Is that translating to the SDI numbers? Going by the early (laughs) indications, it is... Not super, it's just slightly above water by 0.1%. And if we take a quick look at what's happening on the STI, it is a mixed picture. I have a bit of a split between red and green for the STI table. And we've been talking about CDF, so let's go into CDL first. It's now down by 0.7%, $7.48. Uh, of course, we've been talking about Aztec as well. That made its IPO debut on the stock market. It's now at 1.37. That's the last price. And of course, the invitation price was at 128. So it is above IPO invitation price. So looking at the banks, that has uh, been 
in near 52-week highs right now and giving back some gains right now. All three banks in the red slightly by 0.2%. So that is the picture. Rather mixed for Friday morning. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martins. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.